my goodness, we've got guests. You know what that means. It's another Masterclass episode on Studio Class. Hello, divas. I hope you are having a beautiful day. We are back with another Masterclass episode, and I cannot wait to tell you about my friend and the amazing artist, Pamela Stein Lind. So let's kick it off. Here we go. Praised for her rich dramatics by the Boston Globe and called magnificent by Fanfare Magazine, Pamela Stein Lind is a versatile singer, composer, choral conductor, and music educator. As a singer, Pamela has built a career working with contemporary composers of all levels, from students to internationally recognized artists. She has performed with Beth Morrison Projects, American Opera Projects, Britton Pierce Young Artist Program, Rhymes with Opera, Nouveau Classical Project, Saratoga Fine Arts Festival, Yamaha Concert Artist Series, New Music New Haven, and Unruly Sounds Festival. She appears as a vocalist on minimalist composer Alexander Turnquist's album, Flying Fantasy, released on Western Vinyl. She was a 2017 through 2019 composer fellow with American Opera Project's Composers and the Voice Workshop. Her opera in progress, The Interaction Effect, has been workshopped and performed by Manhattan School of Music. Her music has been broadcast to audiences nationwide on American public media's performance today. Pamela's projects have been awarded grants from the National Endowment for the Arts, New York State Council on the Arts, and Pennsylvania Council on the Arts. As an educator, Pamela has taught, lectured, and given masterclasses at universities and conservatories across the country. Divas, I am so excited for you to soak up all of Pamela's amazing thoughts and wisdom in this episode. I cannot wait to share it with you, so I won't delay us any longer. Here we go. Hooray! Pam, thank you so, so, so much for being a Masterclass guest on Studio Class. I am thrilled to have you here and just ask all my burning questions to you. But uh, I was wondering if you could kick us off by telling us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Uh, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here to talk to you today. I am a lot of different things. I know this is a very voice heavy podcast, but I do a lot of different things in music and I feel like they're all, they all relate back to each other and feed off each other. So I'm, um, I started out as a classical singer and I morphed into being a composer. And then I started to be a choral conductor and, um, I teach quite significantly, like a lot of, I do a lot of teaching. So I do a lot of music education I do some writing about music education, mostly about voice. Um, and I do a lot of work helping students get into college level music programs and yeah. conservatories. So I uh, I am, I guess you can say many things in addition to a singer. Yeah. <laughs> so everything sort of relates back to voice because obviously that's where I have my foundation and the music that I write is all for voice. It's opera and art song and choral music. And, you know, I, as a conductor, I'm working with singers and everything is about singing really essentially. <laughs> so I love that. I think everything. that <laughs> like, that's one of the reasons that I love inviting the guests that I do on is usually that singing is part of us exploring so many interests in our life, right? Is that we've probably all been singing forever. You know, it's part of what how we relate to the world and then 
it's also been the thing that has helped us explore the world. I don't know if you would characterize it that way or not. Very much so, yeah. It was the gateway drug. So. The gateway drug. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. So Pam, I ask everybody the same question when we get started, which is what is an intention that you are currently keeping for yourself? My, actually my intention right now is balance. Yeah. Um, this is something that, I am, I think it's a very personal journey to find balance mm -hmm. in your musical life and your musical life with the rest of your life. Yeah. Um, and I'm working hard to help my students find that as well. And I am really, you know, I think that the answer, there's no one answer to how to find balance is very different for every person. Mm -hmm. um, but what I do know for myself is that I am not happy doing just one thing. Yeah. And that has helped me to realize, you know, well, I could become a really great, just one thing, but I won't be happy. Mm -hmm. um, I need to be doing these other things. And I also have a family. Um, I have a three-year-old and a five-year-old. And I, you know, I, I need to have my time with them. I need to have my time making art. And I am, yes, my intention these days, 100% is all about finding the balance, being able to do everything, making sure I feel good about doing everything. And anytime that I feel like I'm doing too much of one thing, I really explore that and pull back, mm. and, um, you know, and it does come in in waves at times too. Uh, I was really, really doing a lot of composing and then COVID hit and I just stopped writing music. Yeah. Um, I think that that time was really about me feeling like I needed to retreat to protect my family. And mm -hmm. I, you know, it wasn't about writing music at that time. Yeah. So, you know, there's just different things that happen that, um, precipitate different changes going towards one thing or away from another thing. Uh, but it all comes back. Now I'm writing music again and, yeah. you know, now I'm doing a lot of things, you know, so yeah, balance. Well, I love that. I'm wondering when you're, especially when you're talking to students about this, do you, what kinds of things do you help them see where they can recognize that they're getting out of balance or they're getting imbalanced somehow. Because sometimes I think we don't always catch it when we're like getting, getting imbalanced or just feeling off of our, off of our game. So do you have a way that you're, you, you check in with that or that you, that you help your students understand that ebb and flow for themselves? I think the biggest key is looking out for burnout. Mm -hmm. Um, I, it's so easy to get burned out in what we do. Yeah. Um, it's so easy to just go, go, go. And then all of a sudden you're like, I am miserable. You know, like it's so easy to just find yourself in that trap. Yeah. And, um, so I watch out for that in myself and I watch out for that in my students, you know, um, and I think the danger is, feeling like you need to keep going, doing something for no reason, you know? Mm. And I think it's really important to sort of say, well, what actually makes you happy? Not what you think is making you happy or what you think will make you happy due to some kind of construct of how you think you should be doing things. Mm -hmm. But 
what's actually fulfilling you at this time on all levels. And I think that's a really important thing to recognize um, just all the way around. And, you know, sometimes it doesn't mean stopping doing something. It might just mean doing it differently, maybe doing it at a different time, maybe doing a little less, a little more of something else, you know, coming back to it at another time, you know, it just really looks different for everyone, but definitely, you know, um, for my students, like I really try to work with them on figuring out what it is that will make them happy doing, you know, it's, it's really easy when you're young to just feel like you want to be a singer. You want to just be a performer. And it's really hard to explain to people that when you go to be an adult, like it's just, you know, sometimes you need to do other things as well, or sometimes you need to find different ways to, to do that in the way that you, not necessarily the way that you thought you would do it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I try to make sure, you know, my goal is for my students to be happy with what they're doing, to feel good about themselves, to feel like they're meeting their own expectation of success, not anyone else's. And, um, I'm trying to do that for myself too. So, and of course it it looks different for everyone. So exactly, exactly. I think, I agree with you so much because I feel like the checking in about what you're doing and whether or not that's the direction you want to continue going in your life at that point in time, can it can feel so seductive to keep doing the maybe the idea that you had five years ago, 10 years ago, right? You're just like, I don't know, we put our blinders on, we're hustling. I'm wondering if you could talk about an experience or a time in your life where you felt like you've you've recognized that your goals and your dreams kind of opened up to include other things. Did that ever feel like a loss to you or did it feel like a natural evolution? Cause I think that's part of the part where we go, well, you know, and then I just made this choice to follow this goal instead. And it was never scary or hard or sad. <laughs> like- <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, definitely. I mean, a lot of, uh, so many times, I mean, it's kind of been the <laughs> a theme, I guess you could say, (laughs) no, I mean, you know, the, one of the things kind of more recently, like, so I had a, you know, a production company, I, I did some, you know, I produced some concerts that were new music based, uh, and I tried to incorporate a lot of premieres, a lot of work by underrepresented composers, and, you know, I, I also had this overall vision to have it be something kind of spiritually meaningful in a more general sense, not in yeah. any kind of religious sense. Um, and I worked with this uh, company, Guided Imagery Opera, that um, no longer exists, but we did, you know, really, really cool festival with them. Yeah. This work with sound healing and integrating new music into yoga. Yeah. And- creating guided imagery opera like actual opera that you would do as like a meditation yeah Um, and I was really proud of the work that I was doing I mean I felt really good about the product that I was producing um but there was definitely a place where I sort of just hit a wall with it and I wasn't really sure why and I think that 
very soon after I um, sort of stopped doing it, I started really kind of getting these explosive amount of opportunities as a composer. Oh, yeah. It really made me see, I was like, I think I actually wanted to be composing. I don't think I actually wanted to be producing. Yeah. Like, I think my, I think what was happening was that I had this idea about bringing artistic vision to life. And I thought that I could achieve it in this way. Um, and that wasn't it. Like it, it was definitely, and then, you know, all of a sudden I started composing and it was like, whoa, you know, like yeah, yeah. <laughs> all these things, good things started happening and doors started opening up and, and I felt like, wow, I was actually trying to be a composer, but I just didn't have, I don't know, the courage or I didn't, I wasn't feeling confident about myself as a composer to, to really put my voice forward. So I was trying to support other people's voices and, and get some kind of artistic gain from that. And I, that wasn't it at all. So, you know, and I, you know, yeah, I, I worked on that for some years and I did a lot. I got some grants. I, I had, you know, a nice mailing list. I, I had done a lot of work I was proud of. So letting that go was, um, it felt a little sad, but I don't, I don't know. It just felt like a natural progression too. So it wasn't so bad. I was like, Hey, like I actually don't like producing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I really like composing. So, so it just sort of worked out. Um, And I think it's really important to just kind of let things work out. Like it's sometimes, you know, there's a, I'm going to say this quote wrong, but there's some quote about, you know, gracefully letting go of the things that were not meant for you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really a big theme for me, you know, yeah, there's things I pushed for so hard that were not meant for me. And as soon as I let them go, the right thing worked. And I think that's, I don't know. I think that's really just an important thing to remember as an artist in general, and especially as a working artist, you know, trying so hard for so many things, you know, you have to sort of, you know, do your part, but also have faith that things come in the right time. Absolutely. Um, I'm so glad that you mentioned that. I, I feel like that's such a, a totem that I come back to when I think one of the things that I really value about what you do is you also have such an entrepreneurial spirit about the way that you pursue, you know, all of your creative gifts. (laughs) So like, so you, I feel like you really balance this, this sense of like understanding the entrepreneurial business side of what you do and also being really true to your creative spirit. And hearing you say, you know, gracefully letting go of the things that are not meant for us, I think is such an interesting thing to dig into when, when we have entrepreneurial gifts, sometimes we allow ourselves to think, oh, I just have to push more. I'll like it more if it's doing better or something like that. Very much. (laughs) And I feel like I love just hearing someone else and you in particular say like, also, sometimes when you set it down, it opens up the things that you're wanting to do. And so I just love hearing that. So Pam, thank you for taking a moment. 
like, <laughs> just like jump into that part of this conversation because I do, I really love that about, about the way that you pursue things. Like you are so gifted with your business savvy and allowing yourself to recognize like when it's time to set that down and move on to the next thing, I think is such a gift. So, so thank you for bringing that up in this space. You, you mentioned teaching and I love asking about what is a technical skill. And this can be like literal voice technique, or this can just be a hard skill really of any kind that you love to teach. Oh, wow. Um, so I don't know, in general, I would say my favorite thing as a teacher is helping students get ready for college auditions. Um, It's kind of not necessarily a technique or anything that I like to teach, but I definitely think it's, maybe it is, maybe it is. I think so. You know, um, so I really try to help students work for, you know, while and coach them through that process to get them to the place where they can present a really solid audition package that they can show off their skills really, you know, I take yeah. a lot of choose the repertoire for them for that. And, um, you know, I, I work on helping them, coaching them through making pre-screening recordings and getting them confident to the point that they can walk into a college audition and, and feel good, you know? So that's yeah. something I'm really passionate about. I really, really love when my students succeed in that. And, um, you know, absolutely is kind of one of my my big things right now. Um, in terms of more generally, I, I've been, so I've been taking some Alexander technique lessons recently. Um, I, I really have been very curious about that. And I've actually found that it's very helpful for me, not just as a singer, but also as a conductor. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm really, that's something I've been integrating a little bit more recently into my lessons. I wouldn't say it's something that I'm really passionate about because it hasn't been something I've had with me for a long time. Yeah. I've known about it for a long time mm-hmm. and I've had bits and pieces of it here and there. And I think I was very resistant to it always for some reason. <laughs> um, and uh, I don't know, I felt like it was its own kind of world and yeah. you had to really go all in. <laughs> You're like, world. listen, I've yeah. got, I'm already full up. I cannot yeah. add this to <laughs> Yeah. I I totally get that. <laughs> I, yeah, I just I don't know what brought. No, I do. I I took some um, conducting a work, connecting workshop, and people were talking a lot about it. And I was like, you know, I really should go and explore this some more. Yeah. And it has really been helpful for me to just kind of energetically understand the way my body's moving and working. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it really, I think it's helpful for my students. I think it's helpful. For me as a singer and I think it's helped me definitely as a conductor just be a little bit more clear I, I don't I can't really explain it but it's absolutely it's really something that has helped me in a very unusual way yeah, yeah. oh I love that I think I think a lot of people can relate to that, like, oh, well, if I, if I'm going to think about this, then I have to, it's going to be a whole thing, but really just allowing that to come into your life and, and taking the benefits that you can incorporate as you're going. I mean, we do that in so many ways, right? We're all, we're all learning. We're all still growing. (laughs) I was wondering if I can go back just a little bit, Pam, 
when you were, I know, I know that we've got listeners that are thinking about college auditions. And I was, I was hoping that you'd just kind of unpack that a little bit more. What are some of the common things that you think that students bump into, or they're maybe not as aware of when it comes to college auditions that our listeners could gain a little bit more insight so that they feel even more confident going into that process? Uh, yeah. So I would say the biggest thing to be aware of is the timeline. Um, mm. And I think that's something that is really hard to understand if you have not had any prior exposure to private lessons or this world. So yeah. um, my most successful students in this will have studied with me for three or four years Yeah, before their auditions. Mm-hmm. Um can you do it in two? Sure. Can you do it in one? Maybe. Yeah. yeah. But I, I would say it's really important to be aware of the fact that you should be working with a private teacher from, you know, earlier on. Yeah. Um, and really the, the thing with that is you're building technique that takes time to build. Yes. So it's not something that you can cram. It's not something you can learn overnight. It's something that just takes time you can go to the gym once for 10 hours but you will not (laughs) act if you go to the gym every day for a short amount of time so um that is kind of the biggest thing I run into I do get a lot of students coming to me a little too late and Mm -hmm. like I can help you but only so much you know um And then even the timeline within the year of the application process, because a lot of people are not aware that pre-screening recordings are typically due December 1st, right? Right, right. So that means you need to have your audition repertoire in good enough shape to record. That means it's memorized. That means it's performance ready. That means you've really practiced it in front of an audience. Um, You need that ready to record at least a month before that, if not longer, because all the time what happens is people are like, oh, I'll record it in November. And then the sicknesses start and it mm-hmm. everything falls apart. And then they make a recording we can't use and they have to, you know, try to fit one in somewhere else. So, you know, I always say to people, I'm like, you know, have your repertoire ready at the end of the summer, yeah. start doing some recording sessions, like in September or October, you know, yeah. Yeah. much less stressful, um, you know, so, and yeah, I, I just, I think it's really, the timeline is so, so, so important. And, you know, your auditions can be as early as January or February. So, you know, you really have to have all of that stuff in working order. You want to live with it. You want to have it in your body for months. Yeah. You want to be able to roll out of bed, you know, just walk onto a stage and sing it. You want to know it that well, you know, that you don't feel uncomfortable about anything, that everything feels really good, that it's integrated, that you can perform it, that you can be really energetically engaged as a singer. Um, so yeah, I think the timeline is absolutely the thing that I wish more people knew about and that I uh, I can't stress enough how important it is to start early. Um, and even just for, you know, like learning and growing, you know, you don't want to have your audition repertoire be the only stuff you ever studied. You right. want to 
have a nice amount of music that you go off to college having learned, you know, it's so many things are so important about starting early and just getting exposed to more music, more performances, more singers, more everything. So, yeah, absolutely. Start young. <laughs> yes. Yes. And also just like having a, having a voice teacher relationship is usually so can be so positive at that point in your life. So it's like, it's, yes, everybody go study with somebody. <laughs> like, yeah, just, absolutely. It's so, so good. Pam, are you usually having them prepare? Um, is it still kind of like, like, you know, four to five pieces or maybe less than that or more than that? I remember like grad school auditions, like certain schools were like 10, a whole, whole 10 pieces and like all these different things. And so is there generally, are you kind of having them do standard singing languages kind of like certain you know all of that kind of stuff it hasn't changed that much really from Mm -hmm. when we did it so it's still for undergrad it's still like three to four pieces and covering a variety of languages and time periods a lot of schools are I am seeing schools start to say they want something written more recently nice yeah something in the last 20 to 30 years is is something that I've seen more, more recently. So, which I'm really happy about. Yes, me too. Um, Right. (laughs) Really important. It's so awesome. And so necessary uh, to make sure students are aware of that world. Um, But yeah, it's, it's still very standard. It has not changed a lot. You're, you're still going to have, you know, something from the traditional Italian repertoire that you would teach high school students Mm -hmm. and you know you're still going to have an English art song and you know you know potentially a German you know a shoe piece or something like that you know you're you're, it's it hasn't really changed all that much um and I, I think you know that's helpful but it's it's also calls for some creativity because you don't want to get stuck teaching um or you don't want to have students singing, I should say, the song that 50 other people are singing. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, and we, anytime we go into an audition, we want to be distinguishing ourselves in a way, you know, oh, Pam, can I tell you my, one of my most embarrassing stories <laughs> about auditioning was, I don't know why I thought that this was the case, because I also have great voice teachers, but I, I, for some reason, I was convinced going into grad school that I should be auditioning with pieces that show the things that I wanted to work on rather Uh, than like what I was doing really well or something like that. And so I was definitely, and so I was like, I don't, you can just, I mean, all my listeners, I'm like, this is, yeah, this is my case of me being stubborn AF all the time, probably as like, I'm sure my voice teachers were like, Megan, no, (laughs) but, but I feel like so helpful to kind of hear that when we're going into auditions, even for educational and training experiences, we want to show them our best, right? We want to show them like our, our most prepared, our, you know, uh, like that kind of stuff. So I'm sure that that's something because you're helping them with the timeline, you're really helping them understand, like, we're trying to 
show them our best, not yes. necessarily like this is what I, this is what I'd want help with. And so don't yeah. follow my example. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you definitely, you, yeah, yes. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, and that's its own thing too, you know, making sure that I'm choosing pieces that show off every one of my students yeah. in show off their strengths yeah maybe don't show their weaknesses yeah. <laughs> I was oh. like they're gonna know anyway Megan you yeah. don't have to like you don't have to telegraph it for that but I think it's also I mean something too that I, I should say too is that everyone does find their place right yeah. so if you if you came to me a little bit late mm-hmm. and you work really hard you know, maybe you won't get into the reach school, but yeah. you will get in somewhere and it will be the place that will meet you where you are. Exactly. You know? And I think that's important to just say too, because not everyone has the opportunity to have lessons all four years of high school. Yeah. And, you know, some people, you know, by no fault of their own, just don't discover it or don't have access to it for whatever. Yeah. So I think, you know, there are you know, students that there are students that go to college for music and they can't read music yet. And they, they learn their freshman year, you know, and, and there's, a, there's a place for them too. And there's classes for that, you know? So, um, I think it's, you know, I, I want people to know, I really do truly believe my students all end up in the place they were meant to end up in. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I, even when I'm writing my letter of recommendation for them, you know, I will say something about that. Like, I think this student will do best in this kind of environment. If that's something that you offer, this, this would be, you know, where I think they will do best, you know, and a yeah. school might look at that and say, well, that's not us. And okay. Yeah. You know, so um, I, I think there's, there is a fit for everyone at whatever level they're at. Um, Absolutely. But, you know, if you if you really are shooting for a conservatory, then yeah, you might need a, a little more time in there. But <laughs> there is still there are plenty of schools. There are yeah. lots of programs. There are some really great gems of programs. Um, there are fantastic voice teachers at schools that are not as well known, um, and that is of course the most important thing. You know, you yes. really want to go to a school for your teacher. Yes. And, um, yeah, I, I try to, I can't stress that enough to my students. I'm like, Hey, you know, like, look at this school. I have this colleague over here. She's awesome. Every single student I have heard of hers is flawless. Like maybe you should check that out. You know, yeah. so. <laughs> I, I say the same thing. You know, I always want people to end up where I'm like, where do you think that they're going to be on your team? Like be in a studio where somebody cares about you. Right? <laughs> like, I just really want that like, I want you to have that experience. And, and I promise you that being somewhere where people are like paying attention to you is better than whatever you think the fancy, fanciest name is on your resume, because you will get all sorts of opportunities when people think to connect it to you, right? If they're like, oh, this is perfect for this student, you know, (laughs) just... Oh, something too. Like I always, I try to tell my students because I know what's going on. You know, yeah, right. Like what's going on in these schools? I know which ones of the schools are accepting five thousand singers and have like one small main stage production. You know, like (laughs) everybody knows. Yes, yes, (laughs) absolutely. (laughs) 
Yeah, like I, I that's a hundred percent. You know, students need to be in a place where they have opportunities yes. and where they get noticed, where they have stage time, where they get to explore all the things they might want to do in addition to singing musically or otherwise, where, you know, just, yeah, like you said, where they're getting attention, mm-hmm. people are thinking about them, you know, and yeah. it's so important. It's such a, you know, pivotal time in your growth as an artist that you really want to be in a place where you can actually do something mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. if you go somewhere and the first time you get on a stage is your senior recital that's not good that's yeah. not good hey there divas real quick thing before we get back to the rest of this episode do you love studio class you can support it now by joining the sybaritic camarada on patreon it's just at patreon.com slash mezzoenen, M-E-Z-Z-O-I-H-N-E-N. For $10 a month, you can join the listening circle where you get access to bonus episodes, you can make listener requests, and for $20 a month, you can become a Masterclass Scholar. Do you ever wish you could ask our Masterclass episode guests a question? Here's your chance. As a Masterclass Scholar, you're invited to the recording of the Masterclass episodes, and you get to ask your questions during an exclusive Q&A after the taping. So come on over, check it out, patreon.com slash mezzoenen. And now we're back to the episode. Also, I don't know, Pam, can you also relate to like the, sometimes people will tell me like how hard they have to fight for a practice room and like thinking about certain schools where you're like, oh, I could have, I always got to pick the nice practice room, like wherever, you know, it's like, it's like, do not discount certain like benefits or resources that you get at certain places because it's more available to you, right? (laughs) Stuff like that, where it's like, you could practice, you could literally practice on the concert hall stage whenever you wanted to or something like that is is a benefit that you may not have considered until you have access to that. And you're like, this is incredible. Oh my gosh, I didn't like, that's, that's a benefit. So I'm sure that you like understand where I'm coming from with those things too. A thousand percent, yeah. And people don't realize it's like, so important to just know all these things like yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) so that's why I love having these kinds of conversations too is just like is the more that we talk about them and then just people can like pop in and hear hear more of this kind of like oh here were some benefits that I didn't know about until like afterwards or pass it along you know this is the kind of stuff that you can't catch until you're talking to people who have who have spent more time in their career kind of figuring stuff out along the way and all that kind of good stuff. So speaking of figuring things out along the way, I, you know, I love micro actions. Micro actions are always like that distill it down to its most basic action, right? It's not the whole thing. It's not a mountain of stuff to do. It's like, okay, how do I bring this down to one, one thing? And I know, you know, my example for this is always like, a micro action is not write the grant because the grant is like a million parts, right? But, so a micro action is like finish the budget for the grant. <laughs> like, yeah. So I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about a micro action that you feel like has been impactful in your own life or career. Hmm, that is actually interesting. I. I think actually writing again, it's kind of comes down to a timeline for me. Yeah. Yeah. But, I love this as a through line. <laughs> yeah. It, 
it really helps me to, um, I mean, it's also, it also has a certain degree of futility because <laughs> we plan God laughs, um, right? <laughs> but I, I always write a plan for my year and I write down what I need to, you know, especially if I have a larger project going on, like what I need to accomplish within each month yeah, and what, you know, then breaking it down even further, like, what do I need to do week to week to make that happen? Yeah. Um, And that makes it, first of all, like less intimidating. And also second of all, gives me kind of a plan, you know? So I, um, I had, uh, I, I, I did opera works with Ann Baltz and she taught us to do like these kind of three-year plans that were very, very detailed. Yes. And I really, really love that. Um, but of course, like I said, it's kind of like, I, I, I feel like sometimes when I write things on there, it's like, that's the guarantee that it will never happen. <laughs> it's like, you know, a way where you just see those things go by. And right. Right. Um, but it if you do kind of stick with it, it does help you get, have a plan. Like if I'm, I'm writing, I'm right. I'm working on an opera commission right now. So, you know, if, if I'm like, here's two hours of time that I need to fill, um, that's really scary. But if I'm saying like, I need to just, you know, in the month of uh, March, I need to finish, you know, two little sections of act one. You know, I need to just get this dialogue going between these characters and I need to do like an aria, you know, and then, you know, then, okay, within those weeks. So here's my week where it's crazy and there's, you know, a play at school and I can't do anything. So we're just going to not worry about that week. And then we're going to put it in another week and we're, you know, we're going to figure out where we can can put the time to do this. And, you know, just having a schedule. I mean, I really, I really do look at this as the way people look at a nine to five. So if I, you know, I have the hour of 11 to one to do yes. to, to work on writing music and, you know, that's my time. Um, I feel like, I, I feel like Benjamin Britten was some, like that or something. Like oh, I, absolutely. I that. Like he, he was like, you know, he started at a certain time of day, he finishes certain time of day and like that's how he wrote and I'm not that good um you know I definitely I definitely see a lot of virtue in that um so yeah I I feel like the timeline and having the plan and really breaking the 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 plan down into you know weeks and even days and you know being honest with yourself like don't say you can do anything you know don't say you're gonna write three hours of music on a day that you know, you have a doctor's appointment and you have to pick somebody up somewhere and, you know, the kids yeah. have ballet and what, you know, whatever it's, it's just like, yes. make sure that, you know, make sure you make the time, but also don't pretend there's time where there's not time. <laughs> so, oh my gosh. So huge. Don't pretend there's time where there's not time is like, is a big takeaway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when I, I was wondering, do you think that when you were first introduced to like kind of the three-year planning model of that, was it hard for you to think, think in like three years ahead of time? Or do you feel like you were like, nope, I got that. I definitely know what I'm going to be doing in three years. Um, that's a good question. I, I think it was, 
not hard for me to think about what I wanted or where mm-hmm. I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. It's hard for me to understand how to get there. Um, and I think that's still a little bit of a mystery. Um, I do think that one of the things that I really took away as a very aha moment from that was actually allowing yourself to have those things. Mm. Um, because I think that's kind of a big part of it in, for me anyway, like saying that I wanted a certain, um, you know, wanted to be performing with a certain ensemble or saying that I wanted to uh, have a certain composition of mine be presented by a certain ensemble or something like that, you know, Um, I had a really actually do some soul digging to Mm -hmm. really realize where my mental block was with it, because I think that was a big hindrance to finding out how to get there. Um, you know, and when it's right and when you're ready, it it feels obvious. Mm -hmm. So I think that's something important to kind of remember. Um, if it doesn't feel obvious, you just might not be ready. Um, Mm -hmm. and you know, you might need to do some work to feel ready and that may be many different things, but yeah. yeah, So I, I don't think it was that I had trouble seeing three years out, but I definitely had trouble figuring out the smaller scale things and how I would get there. And, um, yeah, I, I think I, I definitely think it helped though. I definitely think it helped me to accomplish a certain amount of things that I maybe wouldn't have. And I, I think it helped me to, I think it helped me to force myself to figure out like what, why, what I was really ready for, you know? So, you know, you can have a lot of sort of pipe dream things, um, (laughs) you know, but you have to sort of be honest about yourself if it's what you want and if it's what you're ready for and if it's what's right for you. And, you know, again, like if the opportunity is not for you, letting it go. Mm -hmm. When you were thinking about that, or I so identify with the, here's the goal, but I'm not entirely sure of like, there's a gray area in the middle, like the steps to take. And I'm curious about did that inspire you to go ask people about what fits in there or go, go do other kinds of work or what did that look like? Because I feel like that's the part where so many people that I work with or talk to or whatever, they feel, they feel like just because I can't see what's in the middle, that's enough of a reason that I should like probably stop. This isn't for me or whatever. And I know that we all just have like this burning desire to like actually do the thing. And so I don't want that um, vagueness to be the reason why people go, well, it's not for me. So I'm, what's the difference for you there, Pam, when it's like, there's a gray area here. I might not, I'm not ready to just take a step, but I have to figure out what goes there. Right. Yeah, I think the I think the gray I think, I think it really comes down to reflecting back in on yourself about the gray area. Yeah. Um I I think that this is and this is for me, yeah. you know, I think that when I couldn't figure something out, mm-hmm. it was often because 
I wasn't clear to myself about my mission mm-hmm. or what I was trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that is something that is just so important to sort of look at. Yeah. You, you really want to be clear on what it is you want. And that doesn't just mean wanting a thing. That means yeah. understanding that that thing is actually what will bring you yeah. what you want. Yes. And yeah. It's so those things are very different. It's really yeah. that, you know, like I, when I was a little girl studying classical singing at 12, yeah. my goal was to sing at the Met. Right. Um, and now I very much know that that would not be right for me. <laughs> um, you know, but then what if I, what if I had that as a goal and I didn't know that that wasn't right for me and I didn't know how to get there yeah. because and it's like, it just, when you start to recognize more internally what your mission actually is as an artist. Mm-hmm. I think it really becomes clear. I think it's really important to sort of hone the mission mm-hmm. and have this really good internal sense of understanding what it is you actually want as an artist and as a human being. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's that's the thing too, you know, like maybe you are saying to yourself, you know, I want to premiere work with a major U.S. orchestra in the year 2024 Mm -hmm. and you know maybe that actually isn't what you're maybe like that's not right for you maybe that is something that would actually be really stressful like maybe (laughs) not not that I want people to sort of you know but like I feel like if your mission is clear Mm -hmm. and you really do allow yourself to want that thing I think that you know, then I feel like, I feel like the path becomes a little more clear. I feel like, you know, then you'll know, okay, well, I want to start looking at this repertoire and I want to start connecting with these people. And I want to start making appointments to sing for these people. And I, you know, and I feel like when you really, truly internally are ready and when it really, truly internally is right for you, the gray area doesn't seem gray. I think it's more when your mission isn't clear. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And yourself, when you're not, you know, totally in tune with yourself, that yeah. there's great area. Well, so- and I think what I'm hearing too in that is also that when you're getting clear on the mission, then you don't have to know every single step, but you'll at least know, well, I got to go ask somebody or something yeah. like I whatever it is, there is something that I'm going to do because I have to figure out what comes after this, you know, like, because, and I love, I love kind of hearing that from you that way, which is I have to get really clear on what it is that I'm doing, not just in something that you said with your students before too, is like helping them figure out what makes them truly happy, what they really want, not just somebody else's version of what success looks like, but really why do I want to be singing with an orchestra in 2024? Is that what I really want? Or do I want 
a feeling that I think is attached to that. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Do I, do I feel like I, I need internally some amount of respect that I'm not getting right now as an artist Yeah. You know? and how, what are the ways that I can achieve that, that will really fulfill me? Yeah. You know? So <laughs> I think. Love it. You know, <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it's so important to look at. It's so important to look at because every, you know, everybody's path to this is so different and unique. And, you know, when we try to make it look like anyone else's, it's, it's, wrong yes and it feels so so uncomfortable right it's like your whole body is just like stop doing this <laughs> this is not for us right so speaking of things that are for us right now so Pam tell me about things that are for you what are you you know are there you told me about the opera you can tell us a little bit more about that or if you're feeling like there's stuff that you want to sing or stuff that you're wanting to write, you know, which direction are you being kind of pulled in as an artist? Um, oh, so many. I mean, that's kind yeah. of, <laughs> of what, it, you know, doing all these different things. I mean, I, I am really right now, like pulled to choral music and I, I don't really know why, but it's, it's really been the strong pull recently. Yeah. And, um, my sort of like entrance into choral conducting was really fortuitous because I was having these thoughts about, wow, I feel like I really want to write choral music and listen to choral music. And I don't, I don't know where this is coming from. It's just the universe telling me something. Yeah. <laughs> then I got handed this big choral conducting job. Wow. Last year. And wow. It, and I, you know, I conducted here and there, like I did things, you know, when I was teaching yeah. college and they would say like, oh, we need somebody to just conduct the choir and there's yeah. like kids in it. And I'd be like, okay, sure. You know, why not? And I didn't really know what I was doing, you know, yeah. like, <laughs> and I, you know, I just went with it, but I, I wasn't really doing it in a way that was intentional towards me being better at that skill. Yeah. And so this year I really made an effort to say, I need to study this and I need to really see how to do this correctly. Yeah. And there's so much, and I'm still learning a lot and I am, but it's, wow. It just, yeah. I don't, I don't know what happened, but it really just opened this floodgate of, I love doing this and yeah. this is amazing. And I just, I don't know. I'm, I feel like that's definitely the thing that is right now really drawing me in. Um, and it also, it also kind of brought back this thing in me that wanted to do some kind of more small ensemble singing too, because I was like, well, what's the other side of that? Well, here, you know, and um, I did, uh, I did a gig in, in around the holidays with like this chamber group and I was like, wow, this made me so happy, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? And, um, and so that's, yeah, definitely just doing more things like that, um, where, you know, I, just kind of this ensemble work is just really, really pulling at me right now. And that's definitely something that I am wanting to do more. I really, you know, one of my big goals for this year, I do want to keep studying connecting. I want to get better at that. Yeah. I am now connecting another ensemble that is so great. <laughs> it's really cool. I, I love it. I I'm kind of like, wow, you know, I could do this 
in, I could have more fun with this. I could really explore this some more. Um, and I also like, even in my opera, I'm like, I really want a chorus. I want a big chorus. I want mm -hmm. to really some writing, um, for this group. And so I think that's kind of the overarching theme of what's drawing me yeah. in. What's really, um, sort of what I feel like the universe is telling me to do. Yeah. And we'll see where it goes. I, I literally like never would have thought that this was something I would be into. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I kind of, when I was singing in choirs, um, you know, as a student and I, I felt like I was such an invisible cog in a wheel. And I, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think I really felt anything from it. And now I'm feeling totally different. So it's, it's strange how that yeah. is. I, I don't know, but yeah, I, this is where it is. <laughs> I wonder if you felt, feel as I, I had a slightly different experience with like some really formative, like choral experiences in my background. And I'm curious because pandemic, like really hit me strongly. And like, I really just want to sing with other people again. <laughs> like, yeah. And I, I mean, and I think we all have, you know, different feelings about it, but I, that was one of them that kept coming up for me was like just some some ensemble singing where I was like I don't want to have to do it all the time like you know church jobs and stuff like that but I was like but I was like I really want that feeling of like singing in a good ensemble like where yeah. you're like really making that that level of music together so I, I feel you on just like the power of choir yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes and I love that you're like that it's not only have you thought about this in a in your singing life, but also you've pursued this as a conductor, you are pursuing this as a composer, you're allowing this to kind of flow through all of your different modalities and really just, you know, and it and it could be just one or it could be multiple of them, but you're you're letting yourself explore that because you have different modalities, it can show up in each one of them in its own beautiful way. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, Pam, we're kind of coming to the end of our time together, which I is the worst. I just want to talk to you forever. Um, like, but I was wondering, can you tell us about something that you're curious about? And this can kind of go beyond, you know, we've been talking about conducting and bringing more of that into your life. But this can even be, you know, a non-arts a non thing if you want to. But it's just that I think that being curious is such a superpower in today, you know in today and the time that we're living in it's just like really being thoughtful and wanting to find out more and learning and stuff like that so is there something that you're curious about these days oh wow um about a million things um, <laughs> so I would say and I don't know if this is necessarily relating even to music or singing but I'm really curious about AI technology um yeah I, um, I definitely think that, so, okay, here's, this is going to be a little bit of a large philosophical thing, <laughs> yeah. uh, but, uh, so I've been really, we've played around with chat GPT in my house and, you know, uh, we definitely were heavy into the NFT crypto world. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, so, uh, and I was actually like, I was reading about crypto a long time ago. Yeah. So my my husband kind of like jokes to everyone. He's like, my wife told me to buy Ethereum on our honeymoon. Uh, you know how 
And I did. I literally was like, I'm telling you, this is, you know, this, yes. is, this is going yes. to be the more useful, actually movable currency. Yes. So, you know, not to toot my own horn about it, but anyway, yes. <laughs> um, but, you know, something that, um, something that came up for me as an artist, right. When yeah. I was discussing AI technology and chat GPT with other people was what will this do to value? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so something that I have as a theme also struggled with and tried to work through is what is the value of what I do? Mm -hmm. We live in a really market related, uh, society. We, everything that we do, you know, only seems to have as much value as in, as it relates to its marketability, its ability to generate money, um, you know, and what happens is we start to lose value for things that should be valuable, but um, don't really generate that same response in the market. So, you know, the arts and liberal arts educations and literature thing, you know, things that have, we know that they enhance our experience as humans. We know that they bring something very powerful to our lives. We greatly enjoy consuming them. And yet we have that, you know, there's that distance from, you know, their ability to generate money. Right. So I, I am wondering, I am curious about how AI technology will affect our understanding of value. Yeah. In the same way that when we had a pandemic and we suddenly could not see live performances of music, all of a sudden it's like, wow, we really suddenly know why live performance is valuable, right? Yes. Yes. We really all started craving that. And that was a really like when you went to your first live performance after lockdown, it's like, whoa, you know. Yes. Um, Yes. So with this, right? Um if we, you know, if we have all this, you know, automated creation of things, will the things that are really created by humans suddenly be more valuable? Yeah. Um, and will there be kind of a renaissance and understanding of that value intrinsically and, yeah. you know, what that means, you know, um, if, if anybody can now pass college by typing some things into, uh, a, you know, a machine that generates their papers, right. uh, the person who actually comes out with the knowledge is suddenly more valuable. Yeah. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I'm very curious to see what influence the technology has in the arts. I I'm, I am also curious in how it will affect education um, yeah. and yeah, really specifically higher education. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that it brings more of a sense of importance to what we do because yeah. we're human who are not machines and yes. we're doing something, you know? So yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Oh, I think that's so fascinating. We're going to definitely have to have like a, you know, a friend conversation about this afterwards. Like it's so so real. And I think that's our role as educators and as artists is to make sure that we're still teaching 
how to value those things, right? We have to teach each other how to value it beyond just its capitalist like ability to generate resources or capital, right? Yes. And and so so many interesting things in there for us to like dig into as creative people. And that's a part that really gets me is like, is that I want to make sure that in those conversations we do have all types of creative people and not just creative people in in engineering or whatever and you know not and all types of creative people involved in those conversations oh damn there's so many good things okay we're definitely going to talk about that (laughs) so but I am going to let you go before I do that can you tell can you tell the people tell the listeners where to find you or interact with you online so maybe they can find out more about your scores if they are interested in looking at your pieces or hearing you perform or hearing your ensemble where should they be looking uh so i have a website pamelastein.net p-a-m-e-l-a-s-t-e-i-n.net and i am on facebook and i'm on instagram and twitter and that's that's pretty much it i think that's everything <laughs> perfect. That's perfect. Awesome. Pam, thank you so, so, so much for sharing just your effervescence, your wisdom, also your grace in this space together with me. I'm so thankful for that. And I look forward to anytime we get to have these conversations. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this masterclass episode on Studio Class. Hey. Before you go, do you have a second? Will you take a screenshot of this episode and share it to Instagram with your takeaways? You can tag me there, at Mezzoinen. That's M-E-Z-Z-O-I-H-N-E-N. It makes a huge difference when you share this podcast with your friends. Or even strangers, really. So, with that in mind, I hope you'll rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.